Awesome. Turn to the person next to you and say, man, I'm getting ready for the word. <laughs> We're going to take a, a different kind of look at the cross this morning. You know, usually on the Easter weekend, people focus a lot on, on what actually took place with, obviously, in the flesh of Christ, you know, being uh, beaten and battered for our sakes. But we want to have a look at the holistic view of the cross. So we're going to go on a little journey. We're going to have four sections to this message. The first one is, why Jesus? We're going to show you something really special from the scriptures that you probably have never heard before, but they've always been in the letters. Amen. And uh, then we're going to have a look at why the cross, why Jesus had to take the humiliation that he took. And then we're going to have another little journey down the road into that very, very dark place that Jesus had to go, and that was the grave. What actually took place in the grave? What did Christ do? How did he use his faith? Uh, what was uh, at his fingertips that he could use when he was cut off from God? And then we're going to just celebrate the resurrection of, of Jesus. Amen? Amen? And throughout this journey, we're going to have some nice uh, uh, song items. As you can see, the extra stages and music stands have been set up. And uh, oh, you thought they were for you? <laughs> we would have, but we couldn't find a spotlight that was... <laughs> Awesome. So I've spoken. Bash has already said hello. So we'll just give uh, Tasso a chance to say how's it. Yes. Good morning, everybody. Good to have you here. Good to be with you guys. And it, isn't it so amazing that we can share in uh, what the Lord has done for us? And I think that the most important thing is that invitation that he gave us to participate in his life, Amen. you know. And uh, I think... Yeah, what we're going to discuss today, it's so, so close to my heart, and I think all of us, but uh, yeah, it's something that uh, really is my heartbeat. So, welcome to this journey that we're going to take today. Amen. 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 Awesome. Just close your eyes. Let's open in prayer quickly. Thank you. Oh, Father God, we just want to thank you for the privilege of faith. Not black privilege, not white privilege, not Indian privilege, but faith privilege. We stand here this morning knowing that we have the privilege and the power that accompanies it through the word. It is in our hearts. It is, it's dwelling inside of us. It's growing us. It's pointing us to victory in every challenge of our lives. We sit here this morning getting ready to commune around your cross, your special special cross that changed it all for us. We sit here with the privilege of faith and we want to say thank you. Thank you that we don't have to settle for what the world settles for, but we are inheritors of the kingdom of God. Amen. And all those who love the Lord said, Amen. Amen. Awesome. Just turn to the person next to you and say, when last did you check on your inheritance? Yeah. You guys got to be careful, you know. It's called the will and testament because every Sunday, so now I'm just going to plug Sunday a bit. <laughs> but, you know, every Sunday we're reading the will and testament of the Father. 
Amen? You know, if, if, if you ever open a will and testament, all the, uh, um, the heirs should be present because if they're not present, they might miss out on what has been left to them in the will of their father. Amen? So when we come together Sundays and days like this, we are just expressing the will of the father and what his dear son paid for and left for us, bequeathed unto us through his finished work. Amen? So say to yourself this morning, I'm ready to take. I'm ready to take. Ready to take. My inheritance. My, inheritance. my heart is open. Amen. Amen. Awesome. And Some, he was raised up yeah? to oversee that inheritance. Oh, yeah. So when you look at your inheritance today, there's someone over you overseeing it. That's and that's exactly. Jesus. That's, it. that's what the Hebrew says. So he's waiting on you to... <laughs> that's, that's just another level. So he, create, he, he does the work, he leaves the inheritance, and then he's the executor of the state through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes, this is a win-win situation. There's no Jesus in me. It's just Jesus. This is great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Amen. Can we just check, guys? Can we get some on the monitors here? Because now we're only getting um, the voice out in the front of the house. It sounds a little bit strange. Awesome. So, guys, we're going to kick off with a scripture this morning. We're just going to have a look at something that is so powerful. But to set it up, we just want to speak a little bit about this. You know, Christians today think that there are so many ways back to God. They think that, you know, the cross is the way back, Jesus is the way back, uh, our church attendance is the, is the way back, they think our giving is the way back, they add to all of this stuff, superstition, uh, uh, mysterious uh, uh, dead works, they are constantly working, they're coming with their achievements, they're coming with their careers, they're coming with all the stuff that they have uh, achieved in life, and they're thinking that all of this comes together, and they're bringing it to the cross and somehow or another all of this stuff completes the work all of this stuff somehow just buffs and shines and polishes up what Jesus wasn't able to do are you with me and this is scary stuff folks as we're going to see today there is nothing and that we should never dare to bring anything and add it to the cross. That's right. The gospel is about the revelation of the righteousness of God and not the revelation of man's righteousness. Amen? That is the true saving power of the Word of God. And we want to break that down this morning. We want to show you the moment you bring career, the moment you bring achievement, the moment you bring, I'm such a good mommy, or I'm such a, a great provider as a father, I'm such a, a great CEO, I'm such a great pastor, I'm such a great worshiper. Anytime you bring any of those things and add them to the cross to try and polish Christ's work, you actually close your heart off and become distant to the power of the cross. Sure. That's huge. Amen? Yeah. Are you with me? We've got to be so careful. We have to be so careful. And that's why we're going to be looking at these scriptures this morning. It is so dangerous, folks. It is so dangerous. Turn to the person next to you, please. Turn to your neighbor and say, it cannot be his work, cannot be his work. and my work. And it's either him or it's me. Today, I'm reminding myself, I'm a muhu. 
I'm a loved mochu. I'm really loved as a mochu. But it's his work and only his work. Amen. Amen. Yeah, no, no, I just wanted to say practically, and I don't want to even get, because that's a totally different uh, subject we can get into, is um, once you succeed in something apart from his righteousness, apart from his strength, apart from who he is, then you making everybody slave around you. Just think about that. The husband who's a provider thinks he's the, you know, he's the source, so everybody else becomes a slave. The CEO does exactly the same. So when you are making yourself the success, and if you have succeeded, you've got to be careful that you disconnect from yourself and learn how to be a provider in Jesus, because then you will make everybody a slave. Amen. Awesome. So, pressing on. Are you guys ready? We're going to go to our first scripture. You can get it ready there. It's Ephesians 1, 4 to 6. But before we go there, um, you know, so many people, and including pastors, I've heard pastors around the world, when they preach, they preach as if the cross was a payment that God had to make to the devil. Are you with me? There's so many weird concepts out there about why God sent Jesus. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? There's so many crazy ideas. And the one that gets to me the most is the fact that God had to pay a price to the devil to redeem man. What a joke. Amen? The true muhu in the story is him, the devil. Okay? Just by the way. Totally defeated, totally destroyed by our father. But... I want to show you something. If we go way back to before the foundations of the earth, to before you even sinned, to before the tree was even planted in the garden, before the world was in existence, God had a plan for your salvation. It had nothing to do with the devil. It had nothing to do with uh, um, punishment for your sin on you. It always had to do with how much he loved you. Now, how many of you guys believe that? I know that's hard to believe because when we see ourselves in the light of God, we always think of ourselves as, you know, undeserving and full of sin and full of wretchedness and all these kinds of things. But this morning, we're going to show you, and we can go to that scripture, and I know Tassa's going to un- unpack this scripture for us so nicely as well. But let's just read this. One, Ephesians 1, 4 to 6. Now, look how beautiful this is. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Guys, man, this scripture can never, we can never get over this thing. (laughs) It is so amazing. I mean, let's just read that. Just as he chose us in him, in who? In Jesus. You see, before the world was even created, before the foundations of the earth, we were chosen in Christ. Ooh. Turn to the person next to you and say, 
Come on, do it with some, some vigor, man. Don't do it to your wife, do it to your own head. <laughs> That's pride. No, I'm joking. He's like, like as, did you get it? I got it. You didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, that was for you, not for me. Counseling afterwards. <laughs> so just as he chose us in him before the foundation of all, that we should be holy and without blame. So he had a plan. Before Adam and Eve even sinned, before they even ate of the tree, he had a plan to make you and I holy and blameless. In his beloved son. Wow. You know, these kinds of scriptures are sometimes left out of, the, out of the teachings in the church today because people are so worried. If you preach these kinds of things, people are going to run off and become uh, full of sin. But let me tell you something. When the, when the love of God touches a man in his heart, he ain't going to run towards sin. He's going to run away from sin. Yeah. Amen? Well, let's go to verse 5. Okay? Having predestined us to adoptions as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. Man, just this thing blows my mind because I look at it and I see God looking at this lost world before the world is even created. And, he's, and he knows that the possibility is that we would turn away from him. He knows that he's giving us free will. He's making us just like him. He's giving us a mind, a will, and emotions, and he's giving us the capacity to know wrong and to know right. But he also knows with the capacity to know wrong and right, we have the capacity to choose ourselves to be God and not him. And he knows this, but he makes a way beforehand. Do you see the wisdom of this God, of our God? And I, and I think with the, because we're talking about why Jesus, you know, and, and, and how he was the only way, a big, big thing about religion or having, you know, that, that slice of pie on a Sunday, you know, everyone knows your life must be balanced, you know. A lot of people, the understanding that we're given through the world system is that it's us first and, and we find God later. You, you know what I'm saying? So, so even uh, the, the teachings on evolution and, you know, reincarnation, you know, all this stuff. It's like us first and along the way we find God, you know. But, but God's telling us, like, guys, I was first. I was the beginning and then we came after that. Mm. Are you with me? Now, that changes a lot of things about how we think about him, how we think about ourselves, how we think about life. You know, because now when we, if we've got the mindset that, okay, we were here and then we found God on the way, we don't truly acknowledge this plan that you're talking about. But if we look at that scripture and it says, listen, before everything, he already had a plan, it should really start changing the way that we're thinking about ourselves and how we're thinking about him. Yeah. How even we're reasoning about how we're living life, what we're planning to do, you know, all these things. Because now, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wait a minute. It's not big me and this little God I find along the way. This is big God <laughs> and little me. And we slot into his plan. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And, and it's, it's so beautiful, the, the, the scripture where, like you said, I mean, they don't want to teach those scriptures. Yeah. But why? Because notice what it says. The more you get to know Jesus, the more you experience without blemish, the more pure you become. Or else, I don't know which Jesus you're spending time with. You know, if you want to go sin, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Because if you spend time really with him, 
you're experiencing His purity. Am I right? Hey, that's the calling. We were called to this, it says, isn't it? And the word call means call. You know, just, yeah. Call me so. Come and spend time with me. Yeah. That's what you were called to, to spend time with him. And it's interesting that in the Greek, um, it's, it stops without blame before him. Then the comma should be. In love, he predestinated me. Sure. That's exactly where we're going. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So, no, no, that's it. But that's exactly where we're going next is that, guys, he looks upon us and he goes, okay, so first of all, this is not a plan B. You know, God didn't create everything, put it out into motion, and then we messed up and God's like, oh, quickly, I've got to rescue these guys. I've got to make a plan. Yeah. Who's available? Who's available in heaven? Jesus is like, uh, uh, I'll do it. <laughs> I'm busy, but I'll make some time. Okay, that's what you want. Yeah. You know? It's like, you've got to convince me, Lord, then I'll do it. No. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't the case. No. This wasn't. The Holy Spirit leads. <laughs> yeah, imagine Jesus said, I'll do it if the Holy Spirit leads me to. <laughs> but think about it, guys. I mean, this is before anything. This is not plan B. This was the plan all the time. The only plan. The only plan. But here's the beauty of it. Because, you know, in church today, you will hear God created us to be soldiers. And God created us to be servants. And we are just workers in the kingdom. And we are this. And nobody identifies with why he created this plan for us to be adopted back to him through his son. What is the reason that he does it? For his great pleasure. Because he loves you. When he looks at you, he's pleased with you. And he's so pleased that he creates a plan. That even before you decide to leave him, become his enemy, he makes a way and it pleases him to use his son to be beaten, to be whipped, scourged, humiliated for you and me. That's how much he loves you. It's not. It's, yeah, it's interesting the word pleasure. I've never looked it up, and I never. Uh, I, I think it was about a couple of weeks ago, when I looked at the, the word pleasure. It it specifically comes um, when people were buying um, either an item or a slave. Um, you know. It came, you know, from, from uh, commerce. That's what I'm trying to say. So now there's a difference when you buy something so that you can on-sell it. That value is determined by the seller. But when you want to buy something for your pleasure or for your joy, for example, an artistic sort of um, uh, uh, thing or, or, or a something that you really have value for, then you determine the price. Mm. There's a big difference when you're on selling something and a big difference when you, when you purchase something for your, for your own joy or your own pleasure. So that's why he sat there and he determined that Jesus is the price that I will pay for you. Yeah. Beautiful, yes. Yeah. Give him a round of applause. So beautiful. That, that should put to rest the questions of, was he really enough? 
you know? Because a lot of believers struggle with that. It's like, was the cross enough? Like, maybe it's a bit extra. Maybe, maybe I've got to do a bit more this. I've got to do a bit more that. Was the cross really enough? But here we see he was the one who determined the value. Do you think God would decide incorrectly? I hope not. Wow. Just put your hand on your heart and say, man, am I that valued? Wow. You know, if you take 200 rand to, to the shop, you're not going to uh, take 50 rands worth of goods and give them the 200 rand. If you did do that, then you're doff. <laughs> and you need anointing, an anointed prayer. Because <laughs> you've ever been overtaken by the spirit of doffheit. <laughs> Are you with me? What you're going to do is you're going to take your 200 and you're going to get your 200 worth. Amen? Oh, come on. Jesus is the 200 rand that God paid for you. He, he is the same value for you. Turn to the person next to you and say, man, you are beautiful. Not always, but right now you are beautiful. I'm seeing you through and, the eyes of Jesus right now. And isn't it amazing? It is the only value when he purchased it with Jesus, okay, that he infused his life into it. Okay? So he buys it because it's created in his image and his likeness, but when the redemption takes place, he even changes the very structure of it. Mm and infuses his life into it. Hey, how's that? Wow. So beautiful. Let's go to the next scripture because it just gets better. How many of you guys enjoying reading the Bible this morning? Amen. Come on, look at this. And it says here in, in the seventh verse, it says, if you go to verse seven, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Oh my gosh. Yes. Hello. Getting goosebumps here. He says we have forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So the power of forgiveness of our sins lays in the loving gift of grace. It's literally his love, his grace. Amen? It's not us. Do you see why I was saying in the beginning, we, we're not allowed to taint the finished work. We're not allowed to come and bring anything to the cross. We can't add anything to Jesus' work. Amen. Mm. Are you with me? Man, what a great plan. What a great plan. So we're going to go to our first song item this morning. Are you guys ready for a beautiful item? This song is just to, just to think about this love that we've seen now expressed in Ephesians 1, 4 to 7, and how his plan was made through his love for us. So I want you to give uh, Karine and Ashley a big round of applause. This is our first item, and it is called, This is What Love Looks Like, right? Am I right? That's right. This is what love looks like. You just saw it in the Bible, now you're going to hear it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
so beautifully sang. Well done. Give her another round of applause. Thank you, Ash. Thank you, Karen. Wow, that song can just melt your heart, eh? Hey. <laughs> what does love look like? Gee whiskers. So, turn to the person next to you and say, one man for one man. So, in Philippians, it speaks about how Jesus took off his cloak of deity and came down and he became the servant of all. So, we looked at, you know, um, why Jesus, he was the only way back because it was predestined before time, okay? You still have to choose to be chosen, just by the way. We don't want to leave that out. You know, it's not predestined that everybody's going to go to heaven. It was predestined that you go back to God through Jesus. And you still have to choose to be the chosen. That's right. Amen. So just be careful of that so people understand that. But right now, one man for one man. So there was one man that messed this entire thing up. Everyone know his name? Bash, I mean, Adam? <laughs> One man, Adam, messed this entire thing up. And the plan, as we saw, is that one man would come and fix everything up. Amen? And his name is Jesus, also known as the second Adam. But why, why the cross, you know? Why the humiliation? Why dying naked on a cross? Why being scourged? Why being uh, spat on? Why being uh, um, called the curse above all? Why did he have to suffer this? I want you to turn to the person next to you. I want to say, I want you to say this. Say, uh, no tree, no tree can exist apart from the life of the seed that gave it existence. Let's say that again. No tree can exist apart from the life of the seed that gave it existence. Forever, it will only produce the life from that seed. Are you with me? Okay. So, as we know, the fall of, in the fall of man, the devil himself... He comes and he speaks into Eve's ears, and what does he do? He plants that seed, that poison, that very poison of hell, that very poison of death, that gateway to hell, the production of hell. He comes and he plants that seed into Eve, and the Bible says they look upon it, they think upon it, they meditate on it, and the very next thing, that death enters into her soul. It enters into her blood. It enters into her very life. And from that moment on, the one man, Adam, our first parents, from that moment on, the seed that was put in them produced. It could only produce of its kind. Apples don't give us oranges. Amen? Evil can't give us good. That's right. Are you with me? So from that moment on, this entire place, what, what is that seed? Can anyone tell me what that seed is? That very poisonous seed is called pride. The pride of man. Because what was the deception? The deception was we can be like God. Are you with me? And from that moment, when that thing was conceived, every child under Adam and Eve, born along that line, would and could only produce of that life. Amen? 
So the, the gospel is actually all about one man for one man. It's not one man for eight billion people on the planet. No. Jesus' work was to come and crush the pride of Satan that was put in your and my heart. Are you with me? And he came to give us that through a humiliating death. See, the only way that you can defeat pride is what? It's through, it's through humility. Hello? And that's what we see in Jesus' life. And he even says, let's go to Philippians 2, 5 to 9, and we can read the scripture there. says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. Amen. Keep going. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Amen. You see, when Jesus died, I always think about, you know, when Jesus actually died, the devil was probably sitting there going, ah, got him. It's over. I mean, this guy came, he did all these miracles, he lived this life and whatever. Now he's dying on the cross. He's probably going, what a futile exercise. But not knowing that the power to defeat his kingdom, which was all based in pride, was that Christ himself, the darling of heaven, would put himself naked on a cross, die to serve us, and become so humiliated in our place. And it's the humiliation of Christ that destroys the pride of Satan. Can you imagine when he wiped the doo-doo out of his eyes, when he realized everything has been defeated? Every, my, my, whole, my whole kingdom has been shown up. So to be Christ-like, family, to be Christ-like is to become a servant. And that's what Jesus was coming to show us. He's like, if you want to destroy uh, depression in your life, if you want to destroy unhappiness in your life, if you want to destroy uh, um, the, the marriage that's possibly on the, the rocks of divorce, if you want to destroy selfish ambition, if you want to destroy selfishness, what do we do? We be like Jesus. It's the only way out from the pride that we carry in our hearts. Right? That's it. If you guys want to expand. And, and it's just the extent to which he had to go. You know, um, when you're saying one man, one man, you know, a lot of people think that it couldn't have been that bad. You know what Adam did? I mean, it couldn't have been that bad. But I mean, Romans tells us that through that one thing that Adam did, sin, uh, death reigned through sin. Now, death was reigning through sin, Adam's sin. And people think, no, it's not that bad. You know, ah, really, he just ate a fruit, man. Whether it was from fruit and veg, whether it was from willies, I mean, who cares, you know? But the thing is this now is that when we look at the exchange, right? When we look at the price that had to be paid for that sin, we realize, wait a minute. This wasn't just a normal, you know, hey, 30-day exchange. 
Don't worry, I didn't eat the fruit. I'm just, just over the counter, you know, sort of thing. We, we look at the extent of his humiliation and we realize that uh, um, Adam's separation from God was death itself. You know, and we start to realize uh, um, how much it cost Jesus to redeem us. You know what I'm saying? And in that same way, like you're talking about now, that seed of pride, you know, in today, in our lives, we say, oh, it's not that bad. You know, doing things on my own is not that bad. Eh, you know, it's fine. I'll survive. It's all these things. But here, we see the example of one man and one man, and we realize that to be separate from God was a big deal. To be separate from God in any aspect of anything is a big deal because of the price that was paid to bring us back. You, you know what I'm saying? And through that same seed, we're like, oh, I'll make a plan. It's fine. Hey, should we really be doing this? Listen, God doesn't do it this way. No, no, no. We'll make a plan. Don't worry. We'll come around it. But we forget how detrimental separation from God is. We forget that he is the only source of life and the price that was paid to conquer death. You know what I'm saying? So when we look at the two exchanges, we need to remember that Jesus didn't think, mm, you know, as he was going, he didn't think, uh, okay, I'll just add one more. Guys, don't, don't make it 38, make it 39, you know? Um, okay, actually, I'll take two extra roads when I carry the cross. You know what I'm saying? He's like, um, you know what, Lord, don't leave me yet. I'm going to hang here for another hour. You, you know what I'm saying? Like we say, the price for that death was determined in the beginning. The price for that redemption. God knew exactly every single thing that needed to be paid to conquer it. You know what I'm saying? And that's a big deal. You know, as believers, we need to sit down and we really need to chew on that and what that means. You know, because what we've become so accustomed to call life, the Bible defines as death. And when we see the death that was provided to conquer that, man, we should be so excited <laughs> to embrace life. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's also, if you think about it, Yes, Jesus, okay, he knows, he's heard in heaven, he's the one. He's the one that's going to pay the price. But then he comes, but he doesn't come in power and strength and with, with his kingdom entourage behind him. He comes as a servant of man, you know? And, and his plan is, okay, the redemptive plan is he's like, my children are lost to pride. They've, they've so depraved because of the pride in them, thinking they can be like me, thinking that their life is actually... It's actually death, but they think this is the kind of life that they were made to have. He comes as a servant washing people's feet. And then he comes and he says things like, you know what? In the Beatitudes, he says, uh, uh, um, uh, those who are poor in spirit will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says things like, the meek will actually inherit the earth. You know? And he says stuff like, you know what? There's nothing I can do of myself. I, I, I'm nothing. And he says, I only do what the Father tells me to do. And he says, I only speak when the Father tells me to. So what is Jesus doing? Jesus is showing us the utmost form of humility. The highest name above all names in heaven goes down to the lowest parts of all the heavens and the earth. He does it as a servant to crush pride in you and me. Come on. God is good. I don't think, 
I don't think we speak enough about the humility of Christ. Huh? And what it has done in our hearts. We've got another song item. Are you ready, Jaden? And just while they're getting ready, you know, um, when we talk about the humility, even our traditional understanding of humility is independent of God, you know? Ah, oh, you know, I'm humble, you know, oh, I'm not that good, I'm not. It's got nothing to do with um, your perspective or how you talk about yourself because if you are walking with God, there's no room for consideration of yourself independent of Him. You know what I'm saying? So this humility that Jesus came and walked with, not once did he say, oh, no, I can't really do this, or I'm not really good at that. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, the other time he even said, it's like, do you not think that I can say the word and there'd be 10,000 angels next to me now? You know? It wasn't about doubting his ability or anything like that. It was simply walking with God being his source, God being who he's supposed to be in the life of a man. Are you guys with me? It's humility is not this broken down, oh, I got holes in my jeans and you know, all, no. It's about big God and little man. How, how do we truly enter into, into Christ without that? It's, it's basically impossible. That's the sweetness of Christ, is being a servant to your brother. Uh, placing yourself on the back seat and putting people in front of you, always uh, um, esteeming people higher than ourselves. That's the sweetness of the redemption. And until we, until we can live that life, we're never truly free from ourselves. Right? We're, not, we're not free. The, the word uh, actually in Greek for, for that is, it's, it's a mindset. It, 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 it's included. It's actually a mindset where you divorce yourself from basically serving self and serving others. So it's a direct line, whatever I've received from the Lord, whatever He is, wherever He is, I now submit. It's a mindset of submitting to that, but for the sake of serving you. That's I'm it. giving that life to you. Yeah. Whatever I'm, I'm experiencing, I'm giving it to you. Yeah. Okay, shoot. Does it want to
Is your soul crying for him this morning? 
Is your soul crying for the sweetness of God? Amen. For the sweetness of Jesus. They may say, drink, be merciful. Tomorrow we die. What the heck? <laughs> Man. We need to cry to enter into him, amen, to experience all of his beauty. I don't know about you, but my soul never feels satisfied unless, it's, unless he's the source. Amen. Beautiful stuff. So we're going, uh, we're going on a little bit more of the journey now. We're running out of time, so I'm just going all the way down. <clears throat> and we're going to go to, uh, say again? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Can we have another hour? Anyone for another hour? Let's see hands. I'll take an hour, I'll take an hour, go one hour, one, 15, one hour, one, 15, one hour, 15, <laughs> going once. We've got two hours, he's got two hands up. And the other people are going, come out! <laughs> I've got roast chicken in the oven, come out, you devil. You're allowed to laugh, guys. It's <laughs> so then we've seen that from the beginning there was a plan even before you sinned. Amen. Isn't this beautiful? Isn't the story just so amazing? And then we've seen how Christ had to become humiliated because of our pride. And that's how he crushed the enemy. He crushed the enemy with humility. Wow. How many times do you guys want to fight for your rights? How many times do you guys want to just show everybody, give them the peace of your mind? Tell them where to get off. Tell them how bad they drive. Amen. No. Tell them that I'm the only one that's ever here on time. You're always late. Pull your weight, my mate. <laughs> Are you with me? How many, how many of us think that that's what's going to give us victory in life? No. The sweetness of Christ's humility gives us that beauty. Amen. And when we can walk like that, guys, you don't have to preach a sermon. Amen? You will be the written epistle of God when you walk with that same mind. He said, look what he said in Philippians. He said, be of the same mind. Esteem everyone higher than yourself, even your neighbor. <clears throat> Amen? Yeah. Turn to the person next to you say, you're high in my box, buddy. Yeah. Say, I rate you. I rate you. So you're my mate. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So now he does this. He, he comes to this point of total, absolute humility, naked on the cross, but it doesn't end there. Wow. Did you know that, that Jesus said in Matthew, he said that there'll only, one, there'll only be one son, and that is the son of Jonah. Amen. And he was speaking about Jonah and using Jonah as the example because of the, the prediction of the one who would die for us he would be in the grave for three nights. Three days and three nights. So we're going to go to the book of Jonah and we're going to see. But now I want you to bear in mind, guys, I want you to bear in mind that Jesus came in the flesh and the moment he entered into the suit of flesh, he had no attributes higher than you and me. The moment he entered into the suit of flesh, all Jesus had at his disposal was the Word of God. Nothing else. Yeah. Nothing else. That's all he had. He had 
to work with the Word of God. He had to study, study the Scriptures. In the book of Psalms, it spoke, of, spoke about him being the righteous scepter, the, the, the uh, uh, eternal righteousness of God, the ruler. He had to, all he had was the Word of God to get him through the tomb. He had nothing else. Everybody thinks because he was the son of God, he had all this special faith and he had all these special powers. No. He had to come and do it in the limited body like you and I have. And he had to conquer this body. He had to conquer this mind that so easily lets us down. How many of you guys know, as soon as you can be full of faith on Sunday... Tuesday, your boss says this, this, and that, and you haven't done this, and you better get this right, or you're fired. How many of you guys know how quickly your mind will let you down? Yeah. Amen? You see Julius Malema come up on the screen, and he starts saying, we're going to shut down the country. I mean, have you seen how quickly people go to, this is apocalyptic? <laughs> Are you with me? All Christ had was the same mind that you and I had to achieve this. Let's go to Jonah, the book of Jonah. And we have to cut it right down because we're running out of time. It's now 11.04. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Jonah 2, verse 2. Now, when we read from Jonah, this is the description of what Christ went through in the grave. Amen? Everybody knows the story of Jonah, right? And now Jonah went into the belly of the fish. Amen. Okay, so this is all Christ had, guys. It's all he had. It says, out of the belly of death, I cried, and you heard my voice. And he said, I cried to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried, and you heard my voice. Man, when you are feeling broken down like the whole world is on top of you, do you have the strength to shout out to God? Do you have the faith? Do you know him that, that well in your heart that you can cry out what he has said about you? That's what Jesus had to do. And let me tell you something, Jesus wasn't just taking your and my little sins at this moment. When Jesus was separated from God, it was separated on the account of every sin that was ever committed. He was separated from God on the account of every sin that was to be committed. Jesus was like a vacuum of man's depravity. He took it all upon his soul. Amen? Look at this. You cast me into the deep, verse 3. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Now, Christ, just picture this, guys. I mean, it, I, I don't even want to think about it, being in this position, you know. I mean, I've just been through a little bit of depression here and there in life. You know what I'm saying? Now we're talking about being cut off from God with the weight of the world on my soul. And I'm just a man. I'm just a man. Everybody, nobody realizes that Jesus is just a man like you and I, coming to redeem us suckers. Are you with me? <laughs> suckers. Turn person next to you say, you suck. <laughs> but I love you. <laughs> now think about this. 
He's been totally separated from God. There's, he cannot hear God anymore. Guys, I mean, elaborate on this. This is, I mean, and he is saying, yeah, you've cast me, the, and your billows have passed over me. Saying I'm getting, I'm getting drawn down into the depths yeah. of, of Sheol. You can't get uh, in, in a worse situation than, than, that. than that. There is absolutely no way that anybody. So what is he feeling? Remember when you hit your deepest Ds, depression, despair, disappointment, you know, but you hit it in such a way that it really takes you to the very bottom. You've all been there, some, am I right, in some way. Now, just remember, Jesus not only entered that state of, of those Ds, but he is feeling it's for eternity because he's out of space and time. There is no hope for him. That's a big, big difference here between what you're facing and what he's facing. You know, you, there is tomorrow. You know, and uh, usually religious people take a, a verse that says, uh, how does it go? Uh, uh, it's dark in the, at night, but uh, the sun, the joy comes in the morning. Yes, yes. So there is a morning for them. For him, there's no morning. No morning. That's it. That's his state. Jeez. So feeling that you are going to be for eternity, I'm, I'm telling you that for me, that is, that's what I call the grave, you know? And... Um, while he's experiencing that, I mean, if, if we go keep reading on Jonah chapter 2, he says that, you know, the, the weeds are all over me, the bulls of Basham are over me, which is, the bulls of Basham has to do a lot with the Nephilim, which I don't want to get into right now. But there's just so many things that are taking place yeah. that he says are almost, notice what he says, almost lost my soul. Okay. Because why? He is in that specific uh, place where there is no tomorrow. Yeah. That's why he almost lost, lost his soul. And um, man, uh, what, what is that movie that I always bring out that uh, people are supposed to see with uh, Robbie Williams? Uh, what dreams may come? What, dream what, what dreams may come? If you want to go and find out exactly what was happening at Jonah, go and see that movie. What dreams may come? And it shows you what it's like when people are in Hades. Okay. You know? So, yeah, just, just go have a look at that. But for, for me, that is so important for us to realize that he was done and dusted. There is no tomorrow. There's no sequence of time. There's no next minute it might change, you know? Uh, sometimes we reach the depths of our depression and, and somehow it clicks and we start coming out of it. There is no something to click to come out of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like That's you say, they go to five and six, well, what's Asa saying? If you can, thanks. It's exactly what you're saying because now he's saying that the water surrounded me and even to my soul, the deep closed around me, weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. forever yeah. yeah. 
So Jesus is in that place, like where there's no time, and he looks back to the earth, because that's, that's where he comes from. He's been in an earth seat suit for 33 years. And he looks back, and he sees the bars of the earth have been closed to me forever. Yeah. Man, guys, we don't understand the price that was paid. And he's taking on all of the sin of man in his soul, and he's paying the price right there. And he says, forever. Then he says, yet... See, look at this. So this is the this is the the word of God coming into play now. So you've just it's been depicted how lost he has. He's in that place where we should have been, completely cut off from God, completely cut off from the earth. There's no he's in the he's in the lost realm, you know. And then he says, I can't go back to the earth. You've you've cut me off. I'm separated from you. And then he says, yet. Wow, guys. He says, yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. He starts to confess faith. Are you with us? He starts to confess faith in the, the most hectic situation any soul could ever endure. Sorry, man. Yeah, I just... Yeah, oh, this verse. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, the, the time in the grave, you know, it's like, oh, no, it, it just had to be. Mm. So it's almost like Jesus was down there playing checkers, you know, or he was knitting, and then God came and was like, Jesus, come going. And he's like, oh, sorry, you know, yeah, let, let's go do this thing. You, you know, this state here, and it's important that, that you guys understand it's a state, you know, because whenever we experience those, those big Ds, whatever you're talking about, when we experience those things, we can do something to alter, you know? Yeah. Like you're feeling sad. You can go and do something and make you feel happy. Put on happy. a nice song, watch yeah, a comedy. Exactly. Watch a, watch a funny video. Go speak to someone. Eat some food. You know, you can do whatever you want to do, right? Just to change that, alter that moment, you know? But I mean, here now, in the darkness, isolated from everyone, the absolute state, meaning that it's never getting worse or never getting better. It is absolute. Now, I always struggled with that integration. You know, okay, he was here in the state, but there were three days. Don't ask me how that works. I'm sure God will explain to us one day this, this story of eternity and time, you know. But if we look at it now, him not having anyone, right? No one. Can't see anyone, everything. Just knows that he is in the worst place that a person can be, that a soul can be. There, from the pit, right? Someone says, no, I'm in the pits, man. Maybe, maybe a bit of a higher pit. Yeah, yours is just a pit stop. <laughs> yeah, yours is a pit stop. This is the pit, right? But now here's the thing, okay? He gets to that point, like you were saying, Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. Now, in this moment, okay, in this, in our daily lives, we have crutches to make ourselves feel better, right? Meet with a friend, go out to have some fun, you know, whatever it is. Buy a happy meal. Buy a happy meal. <laughs> feel a little bit sad afterwards, but it's fine. Buy a happy meal, as long as you get a toy, that's good, right? But now, him being in the position where he could not do a single thing, not a single thing, Amen. 
He couldn't get up and start doing push-ups or star jumps. He couldn't turn on the TV. He couldn't put on a nice song. He couldn't phone Didi and say, Deeds, bro, I'm feeling down. Help me. Right? He's there. Not able to do a single thing except one thing. And this is what pure faith looks like, guys. This is what pure faith looks like. If you want to be a believer, pure faith is not fighting the devil and, you know, all these lovely crutches that we have in life. Pure faith is this, is that independent of anything that I do, you are who you are. Independent of where I am, independent of what I'm experiencing, independent of my restriction or my ability, you are who you say you are. Amen. Now, when you talk about how, right, where Paul writes and he says, listen, if we want to experience his life, we need to share in his death. Now, we didn't really attach a picture to that scripture before, right? But hold on. We're talking about the pits, right? Now, people will say, oh, okay, we got we to gotta be heavy. You know, we got to get down on ourselves. We got to put ourselves in the pit. No, 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 no. You see, if you want to share in his death, you need to do what he did when he was dead. Listen to what I'm saying. Catholics will tell you, get on your knees and whoop yourself. Let it go. Demonic. Because the death you're supposed to share in is what happened here is that even when I have any element of death in my life, hey, hey, yet you have brought me up. You have brought up my life from the pits. Go to seven. Oh, Lord, my what, God. What Bash is saying. You, go to seven. Go to seven. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Can you see these things at play here, guys? Some people come to us and are like, I just don't know if God's hearing my prayers. My brief. Jesus was in the pit. Right? Now, here's the thing. This is why it's faith. He had no read receipt from the holy temple. Two ticks. Blue. He wasn't like, ha my prayer made it. Two ticks. Woo! No. What did he have? He knew who God was. He knew that the word about his father was true. I don't know about you guys. When you send an email and it says, would you like a read receipt? He didn't have that luxury. When he was declaring that you have picked up my life out the pit, God didn't blue tick him. He said, Jesus, I'll get to you in three days. Right? All he had was absolute conviction about who his father was. Are you with me? He didn't need confirmation that, oh, is this prayer getting there? No, then they say, no, there's a ceiling. You've got sin in your life. It's okay, he's in the pit, yet it still got to. And he's full of sin. And he's full of sin. And it got to the temple. He's here in this realm where, okay, we won't get into it, but like you were talking about, you know, where these abominations are around him. He's in this dimension. But yet, what we do, we say, oh, you know, I'm feeling down. Surely my prayer is not powerful enough. Your prayer being powerful is based on who God is. Why do you think James says it is the, uh, the fervent prayer of a righteous person? People emphasize on being righteous, but not the fact that God has made us righteous. Exactly. Are you with me? What you're saying there is so powerful, Vash, because think about this, guys. He is full of sin, like Tasso just mentioned. 
And in the midst of that sin, he has to believe that he's blameless. Because why? Because the word says so. That's it. Amen? He has to believe by faith. You know, when we miss a Sunday service or we, or we, or we sin in our lives or whatever it is, and then we don't see the oak for like three weeks, and then he goes and sits right at the back over there. <laughs> Are you with me? Where's your faith? You see, your faith is supposed to be like that. That it's got nothing to do with me. It's got to do what I believe in. It's got nothing to do with my behavior. It's got to do with what I believe in. It's got nothing to do with my mistakes, my shortcomings, my past, my background, my education. It's about who I believe in. Are you with me, guys? Are you with us? We're trying to bring up the purity of faith here. Can you see the purity of it? Man. That's why, sorry, that's why the Bible calls Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. Right? Abraham's the father. Yes, we know his examples and all that stuff. But if you want to know what faith truly is, right? He's the author and the finisher. You need to have faith the way he had it. That the only source he had was like, Lord, I know who you are. I trust in what your word has told me about you. Amen. God needs a round of applause, guys. Come on. So... In the beginning, I mentioned that why it is so dangerous that you bring any of your work to the cross. Do you get it? Do you see? Do you realize that when Jesus exercised that faith in that place where there was no hope, okay, he's, he put his faith into action and he became the one who achieved it, the one who was raised up by the Holy Spirit power through his declaration of who he was through his faith. Are you with me? So therefore, he did it. He created it. He became the one who went there, made the way, came out of it by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he now becomes your faith. You see, you integrate your faith into his faith. You pull your faith from his faith faith are you with me it's not separated you can't you can't come with anything you can't add anything it has to start with him you build on his finished work amen only that. that is the key to true faith in the biblical uh, the biblical terms right. none of all the stuff that you've heard so many things out there You'll hear pastors standing up here and calling people to, to uh, behave like this and do this so that they can show their faith. Man, that's not how you show your faith. That's a result of walking with God. But when the times are tough and your own soul is crushing you and you see nothing before you, nothing ahead of you, can you call, can you call out like Jesus called out? You can. You know why? Because he did it. He did it for you. And if he can do it, the scriptures say, now go read Philippians, go read uh, uh, Ephesians, go read uh, Colossians, and go and see who you are in Christ now because those letters are all about who you are in Christ because of what he achieved right there in the grave. And it didn't stop there, guys. Mm, It It didn't didn't stop stop there. there. He He was raised by the power of the Spirit 
And he is now seated at the right hand of the Father. He is resurrected forever. Amen. Now I want you to go back to Ephesians, Ephesians 1 verse 3. Let's just look at what it says there. Look how beautiful it is. It says, Blessed be God, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Amen? As Christ is right now, seated at the, at the Father's right hand, so are you. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing that heaven possesses because of one man, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Come on, let's give him a big round of applause. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So if we can quickly uh, hand out the communion elements, that'll be awesome, guys. We're going to take communion together. Is that good? Yeah. Amen. Let's do that. Thank you, team. Give the team a round of applause. Come on. While they're getting the stuff, I know it's a, we are pressed for time. What's the time there, Bash? I don't know. My watch has stopped working for some 11.24. 24. We started at 20 past, so we're just over. Yeah, yeah. We're five minutes over. Are we good for communion? Are we good? This is a long weekend, so we should be able to have a long service. <laughs> Amen. Um, <laughs> But has this, has this message edified you this morning? Has it built you up this morning? Come on, give him a shout of praise. <laughs> Man. You, you know, Deeds, with, um, with what you were saying now, when, when, uh, when you say, you know, when, and when he was raised up and he walked out there too, there is something so comforting about knowing that it can be done. Oh, yeah. That it can be done. You know, you guys, whenever you're facing anything, come back to this. Come back to this. And don't ever shrink back. Don't ever shrink back. Because what does Romans tell us? That he was given over to sin. Uh, he was given over to death for our sins. But he was raised to life for our justification. The fact that he's alive means he did it. The fact that he's alive means it's over. The fact that he's alive means that death is conquered. That every promise is yes, right? That every single thing that the Bible tells us is done, deal, settled. Can I give you guys a practical example of this? About 12 years ago, I don't know if you, you remember the story, I was still serving as a full-time pastor at quite a big church in South Africa. It was like 3,000 people in a service, maybe some even more. And um, I, my wife and I were going through some financial stress, and uh, I was actually working three jobs just to, just to pay, uh, just to make what do you call it? Ends meet. Um, the, the interest rate jumped up. We just had our second child. The, the interest rate jumped up to something like 17% from 11%. We just bought a house. And uh, man, things were crazy. Uh, my wife and I both got uh, retrenched at the same time. Now we're sitting in our lounge now and our family comes to visit us. And they're crying and we're sitting there smiling. And they're like, what are you guys going to do? You're going to lose the house, you're going to lose the car, you're going to lose your horse, you're going to lose your family, you know? And we're like, listen, guys, God is, God is good. God is going to make it happen. He's going to make it happen. Yeah. 
And what happens to me uh, a couple of uh, weeks later, things just get worse and worse and worse, and the depression sinks into my soul. And the next moment, I find myself like deeply depressed. I, 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 it's so crazy. But now I'm feeling so bad and so, so yucky and down in the dumps that I phone the church and I say, listen, guys, I'm not coming to sing on the Saturday night service. I'm staying at home because I don't feel, I, I, I'm not feeling good. So they say, yes, it's fine. A half an hour later, they phone back and they say, the lead singer has been rushed to hospital. He's got food poisoning or something. You have to come. Guys, I've just been spending three hours crying to God at how bad life is. I was a victim, feeling so sorry for myself. And now they say to me, listen, you've got to come. You've got to come. There's nobody else. So I get in the car, and as I get in the car, trust me, the last thing I wanted to do was sing a song to Jesus. I was moaning and complaining. And the next moment he says to me, way with the devil. That's all we got. <laughs> Thank you. How we got, John? Yeah, what we got? Okay. The next thing he says to me, he says, remember who I am. Remember what I've said. And he says, put on a, a garment of praise when you have a spirit of heaviness. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to use this word. I'm going to, just like Jesus, I was calling the word out. I was so depressed, guys. I didn't even want to be with anyone. I locked myself away. My kid, my uh, little daughter, Jamie, it was her third birthday party. Everyone was brying outside. I was laying in the room crying like a big baby. And I don't want to know nothing about anything except my own sorrow. And the next moment he says, put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And you know what? I just, I said, Lord, I'm going to take this word. I've got nothing to lose. I'm having, a, I'm having a nervous breakdown, guys. At this time, I was actually having a nervous breakdown. And um, I said, I've got nothing to lose. I'm going to speak this word. And I start putting my socks and shoes on. I start getting ready to go sing church. And I'm like, there's a garment of praise, a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And I'm driving in the car. I stop at the robot. I'm like, I'm putting on a garment of praise. And the people next to me are like, are you okay? Is everything okay? And I'm like, God is good. And they're like, this is cuckoos. But anyway, I get to the church, and, I, and the guys are like, okay, we're starting in 10 minutes. You've got to do this, 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 and that. And I'm like, guys, I really don't want it. They're like, just, you, there's no one else. Yeah. So I'm like, garment of praise, garment of praise. <laughs> I get onto the stage, and I start singing the first song. It was so terrible. I'm like, you know, you're supposed to be worshiping God. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, heart of worship. It's here somewhere. I don't know where it is, yeah. but... And I'm like crying out in my heart, God, I'm going to praise. I trust you, Lord. I know that you'll pull me through this. Second song, and the third song comes. And let me tell you something. I just shout out this declaration of who he is and what he's going to do for me. And the next moment, guys, the Spirit of God falls on the whole band that the whole band falls over. I'm not joking. I'm serious. And the next moment I'm standing, on, I'm, I'm on my knees and I'm crying out. Now I'm shouting out His goodness because His Spirit, I basically feel like I've gone into heaven and my, my whole mind, my, my brain feels like God is operating on it. 3,000 people in that building are watching me. They're supposed to start with a tithe and offering message and I'm shouting out how good God is. The photographer of the service comes to me and he says, brace yourself. I said, what? He said, while you were singing, when that moment happened, so he, said, he says, I took this picture of you. And I was like, yeah. And he has this picture. My head is gone. There's just a lot. 
just a light. That's what the Word of God can do for your soul. Amen? If you bring it from a heart of faith and you connect with God, your physical, tangible situation will change right in front of you. That's it. Amen? Amen. You are being called to live in Christ. We ain't going down to the depths of the moorings anymore. Amen? That's it. Christ has been there. He's done it. He's defeated it. Amen. The devil is a... He's a defeated foe. You know, you know, you look at it. And what did Jesus say when he was in the desert and he was being tempted? You know, he was hungry. I mean, 40 days fasting. Who did that? Anyone? Yeah, we don't have to admit it. It's okay. Bushiri. <laughs> but, Pretty loud. you know, he comes up to him and he says, listen, if you're the son of God, you can turn these rocks to bread. You know, you know and he makes such an amazing statement, which... Which, you know, the Christians, like in my life, you know, my whole life, I've heard them say, man shall not live by bread alone, but only by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of the Lord. I'm like, Jesus. And then you go out and you're like, no, we won't live by bread alone. You know, when he was in the pit, did he have any bread to eat? Was there bread that brought him to life? What was it that brought him to life? It was the word that proceeded from the mouth Think about that, guys. Not just bread. It was the word. In your car crying. <laughs> Put on a common embrace. God is good. I'm not feeling good, but he is who he says he is, you know. So Pastor Tasso is going to take us through. Quick meditation of. A, a communion. With the communion. Is that cool? And can we have the band come up quickly? Thank you, guys. Straight afterwards. Or you can come have your communion up here with us. your heads please and uh, let's go through when you see these elements here in your heart just remember what they represent the bread represents the body of Christ that was broken and uh, the juice represents the blood of Jesus which is the exchange of his life for your life and it always depicts wrath it depicts a justice so the first thing, I want you to take the, the bread or um, the cracker that you've got here. And when you put it into your mouth and you start crushing it, just remember that it is your sin and your sickness. It is your depravity. It was everything that was against God that now you are crushing the body of Christ with so as as you're doing it just i want you to just picture it that it is my sins that is breaking his body you know as you keep biting it just do it and picture that right now and seeing it that thank you that there is justice here that as this body was broken I experience your life, I experience your health, I experience who you are. And as you're going to take the wine or the juice, just remember <clears throat> that it represents 
the wrath or the justice, the justice of God that came up upon Jesus and he paid the sins of the whole world, but especially mine. Make it personal. See how it's totally from God coming and destroying whatever was destroying you. The thing that you embraced, that you thought was going to bring to you life, fulfillment, contentment. This pride that we had embraced, that we think we could do it for ourselves. That's what Jesus came and he gave his life for. And the wrath of God came upon it and he destroyed it so you can have his life. Just see his life now permeating in every way into your heart and from your heart going into your physical body and just saying thank you for your provision thank you for your protection thank you for your healing thank you for your leading of the holy spirit and the empowerment of it i receive it right now and i actuate it in my life in jesus name just drink it amen